You're listening to the Racking Focus Podcast. Hey, welcome back to the Racking Focus Podcast. I'm Josiah Blizzard. And I'm John Doyle, and today we're going to be talking about uh, the movie which is running on Netflix called The Dig, about the Sutton Hoo excavation, archaeological exploration. Well, it's actually not about that at all, I might say, but... Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. about the people around that, I think. That's right. Uh, so we are going to follow a format of spoiler-free up front, and then we'll let you know when these spoilers are going to hit. And uh, don't worry, you will know when that's going to happen. Do not worry. Um, so I guess, you know, to keep this spoiler-free, let's obviously just try not to talk about anything spoiler-related, which, it's again, it's history, so... It's less about the Sutton Hoo uh, archaeological dig, like you mentioned, more about the people. So we'll just kind of avoid maybe the character arcs. Yeah, that sounds right? like a great that idea. That feels like what we should avoid. Big... I was reading Howard Carter's account of his excavation of the tomb of Tutankhamun. Oh. He stood at the threshold of the burial chamber, the first man to do so for 3,000 years, and he saw finger marks still on the paint. He say... Time lost his meaning. So, you know, based on my letterbox review and your letterbox review, I think that you you might like this film more than I did. Well, I, I think I'm my, I might be changing that number after we watch Judas and the Black Messiah, actually. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so yeah. this is a fa- this is gonna be a fascinating conversation. Yeah. Because I think you gave it four stars on, and, and on I, Letterboxd and I gave it a three. Yeah, and I think it's I think it's a three for me now, okay. especially because of how I feel like I'm going to have to handle Jews and the Black Messiah. So gotcha. Yeah. Literally I, making the adjustment. I'm going to be honest. The movie. Um, <laughs> okay. This So this is how I ended my letterbox review. I said, decent movie with good performances likely won't watch it again. Right. That to me sums up how I feel about this entire, sure. entire thing. Um, I think it had, you know, good performances all the way through. I mean, I like watching uh, Ray Fiennes, you know, like watching him. Um, uh, Carrie Mulligan is always fun for me to watch. Like yeah. I think she's just a, a great actress. Um, speaking of which, we need I think need to watch um, what's that new movie that she's in as well as the dig. Uh, Gosh, I can't we, we're in the middle. We're in the middle of a podcast. Promising young I, woman. Okay, I'm sorry. Right, I've heard okay. good things about that too. Again, Carrie Mulligan doing a lot of good work from from what I've heard. But yeah, like I really like watching them. And then uh, Lily um, James, I think her name is. She was great. She was great. She was great. And okay. and to be honest, the other performance. Perf- performers that i had never seen before i really enjoyed watching as well so yeah i think it's a well acted film like across the board i think that's a lot of what my response to it was when i watched and i think that it tells like it takes an interesting perspective an interesting angle on uh what happens to people in this sort of repressed war-laden world Mm -hmm. and the consequences of sort of loneliness and unfulfilled um, achievement like there's this thing that's present and the story speaking to that yeah um, I thought that it was there was some very very beautiful moments on screen yeah um, uh, you know uh, there's uh, and there's stuff that we're going to talk about have to talk about in the second half um, and I think it's written fairly well I mean I think the the story's good it just doesn't ever mm-hmm. do the thing it, it <laughs> Say it. I want, I'm interested to see what what it, you say. It it never soared. Uh huh. Right. It never it never rose up that much. But it was a good watch. Like I'm I'm not suggesting in any way that I didn't enjoy the 
what hour and 45 or whatever it was yeah um and uh and and didn't uh, you know didn't didn't have didn't find that to be really refreshing and enjoyable and well crafted and all of that sure yeah i mean it, there's definitely um there's definitely some problems with it but there is a there's a complete theme driving the entire film for and and uh for each character i would say um they it, there's a there's a specific thing that each of them are trying to achieve um, and I think the reason it doesn't soar, and I don't think this is a spoiler in any way. If it is, we'll just you'll know because we'll just cut out like right now. All of a sudden, our conversation will stop, and we'll move on to a completely different topic. Um, it, this film feels like it, it takes three different unique perspectives, and it it doesn't feel like it can ever focus on the per- perspective, like the single perspective that I think we should be on. Does that make sense? It does make sense, and I think we need to go to spoilers pretty quickly. Um, I, in in our non-spoiler part, let me say this, and then let's move to spoilers. So, I, what I would say is is that this is a perfect film for Netflix. Yes, it's a film mm-hmm. that needs to live on a streaming service. Yeah, it can have a budget to pay for good actors doing good work in a solid film, mm-hmm. but it doesn't rise to a place where, um, you know, we're going to look at it up on a big screen and say you have you have to see this movie this wouldn't have survived long in a theater it, it, it couldn't right yeah uh and and probably shouldn't it's designed for this other format mm-hmm. in, in and there's something about that that's right and so when when we review a film we say go see it in a theater this is one that i would never say that for yeah i don't think you need a communal experience to watch this yeah right but i think you can get reward from watching it and it's compared to many things that we could watch on streaming whatever streaming service you have this is a certainly a viable entertainment I had a view. a perfectly good time watching this on my iPad in bed with my AirPods in like I did not miss I mean the screen was also uh about a foot away from my face because I had my glasses off too and I can't see if it's further away than that but so the screen was huge when I was laying in bed and my glasses were off but uh yeah, it's nothing. It was nothing special to me that you have to go out and see this in theaters. Um, I think that it suffered from um, a, a few different things. Um, one, and this may just be me, but I personally didn't like the cinematography. If we were to just uh, kind of maybe harp on a few different aspects before we jump into the spoiler filter, sure. we can go deeper into that. Um, cinematography, I I had issue with um, because I, I and I think I know what they were trying to do, but it didn't pay off for me. And we can get into what they were trying to do in the spoiler field a little bit more. But um, I just didn't think that the motivation for the camera choices lined up with the characters' actions and, and the theme of the, the film. Um, what, do you, what do you think about camera work and cinematography? What did you I mean, feel I about? thought it was perfectly fine. It, mm-hmm. I mean, it felt very much like a British film. Sure. Yeah. Like, it, you know, when we think of like stereotypical austere sort of historically noble Mm -hmm. thoughtful british cinema it felt like that right david lean like sort of sensibility so that's that's what my response would be i didn't i didn't feel like there was innovation taking place on that screen sure i feel like it was using and i don't want to say tropes because that feels crappy i was using a format a structure a look right that we know and recognize to wrap around a story that ultimately is a very small story Mm -hmm. and make it have the scale that the actual archaeological dig 
has historically. Yeah, right. Right. And that's not to say that there aren't some great shots. I think there were a, f mm -hmm. a few standout shots that did actually uh, mirror how the, the characters were feeling and, and had motivation for it. So don't get me wrong there. But I think for the overall, uh, I had some problems with the cinematography. Um, I wanted to ask you about music because I know you're a music guy and music really stands out to you. Did, was it just me or did it just feel like piano was constantly playing throughout this film? Yeah, I uh, I wasn't a huge fan of the, of the music in it necessarily, but I also didn't find it particularly distracting. So, I mean, I I I uh I music for me in the past several films I've watched has been really a complex encounter uh -huh. for me. Um and I feel like it was fine. I mean, I feel like the music was just fine for me. Yeah. So, cinematography was just fine. The music was just fine. Uh acting was good. Right. Um Pacing? How'd you feel about pacing? Well, I think the pacing actually was was fine, good. Mm -hmm. Even I wouldn't say good. the The story has to the story has to mix these multiple perspectives that you talked about, uh -huh. but it's also about multiple relationships. And I think yes, the pacing yeah. of those worked well. There is a challenge towards the end that that's going to be spoilery that has to do with the impending war that I feel like never got amped up sufficiently. Right, right. Like, so I don't feel like we ever got propulsion mm -hmm. into that what is going to be a horrible thing for England, right? right? And there is something to be said about the overarching theme of potential bombs falling on Sutton Hoo mm -hmm. and, and bombs falling on England mm -hmm. and the destruction of historical uh, things of historical significance and the need to sort of save that that nature of what it means to be British that I feel thematically worked really well. Yeah. But that loomed, it felt like it was looming over us instead of us propelling forward to something that is scary and dangerous. You know, yeah. it was like this. We never got anticipation of rain. Mm -hmm. We just mm -hmm. saw the rain falling. Right. Right, there, you didn't see the rain clouds coming in, and, and the feel danger, the, the danger of it yeah. coming. We didn't know it was dangerous until there was panic in the rain. Right, but the film is about us preparing for an inc oncoming danger, and those yeah. two things didn't necessarily feel like they yeah. matched up. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. But the I, you know, I think that when we're in those moments, those moments work. Like the moments in the rain, the moments when things collapse, the even the moments of discovery and the dig are all moments that are quite lovely. Yeah. Yeah, I and agree. again, it's historical stuff. I'm not screwing up that uh, the, with the character arcs. We're gonna we're gonna have yeah. This from. this is not about the dig. This is about the the characters. And I, I you know I think this is really honestly all we can say until we just dump into the spoilers. yeah. I, so I think that's a great uh, idea. So yeah. why don't why don't we dump into spoiler yeah. filled? Yeah. So let's let's dump in there. And uh, that's such an interesting phrase. Dump in. Jump in. I, I, well, I'm thinking like <laughs> I'm really thinking of dumping in. Dumping oh, dumping in. Hard. Uh, before we jump over to the spoiler field, I definitely say let's let's it's worth a watch at least one time through on on Netflix. If, if you're if you're on Netflix, it's going to be better than a whole pile of stuff you could watch yeah. on Netflix, <laughs> and certainly better than watching something you've watched before. Yes, uh, yeah. and it it talks about something historical and honors a man who's forgotten by history. And for me, those are things we always want to do. When yeah. reg it's regular folk need to be remembered for their contributions. Uh, and so, so th there's reasons to watch it for sure. Spoiler alert! All right, you've been warned. Spoilers are ahead. So this film did something completely unexpected. It kind of hopped between three different perspectives for me. I really thought we were going to be following Basil Brown the entire way through, yeah. but it jumped between his perspective, right. Edith's perspective, Mrs. Mm -hmm. Pretty, and um. Lily, uh, 
Right, Lily, Peggy. Lily James. Peggy, yes, Peggy. Peggy's perspective. There's it feels there's three different stories being told here. Um, well, and if you count the little kid, four. Sure, sure. I didn't feel like he had a big enough presence for me to count. Yeah, but he gets that big freaking speech at the end. Oh, that's you true. Know, yeah, like, that's true. When he runs into Basil, right? Yeah. He's, well, well, and no, and when he's in the boat with his mom. Oh gosh, you you're know, right. Like, so, yeah. And but I think mm-hmm. you're right. I don't think he reaches the point of the other those other three characters. He kind of he kind of exists as a bridge to those three. It, characters, I think that's I really think. true. Yeah. Um. Although not manifesting completely. So good. Yeah. Well, well yeah. done. Um, glad we glad we talked through that one. That that one makes makes a lot more sense now. Um, I think that uh, it suffered though because it jumped between those three perspectives because it it didn't. There wasn't this. Um, I don't know. I I'm. It's not a cohesive story. It's not. It's not that it wasn't cohesive. It's something else, and I don't know what it is. It may be a a, a character arc. It may be some kind of story structure that is lacking maybe it just my it's maybe it just threw me off and i was not expecting that because to me when we when we rode in on the ferry with basil from the beginning and we followed him on his bike and the way the cinematography was was um portraying how um uh, we were going to be intimate and close with basil the entire time like the entire time like that to me was why the cinematography doesn't work is because it told me from the get-go that we were going to be up close and personal. And this is an intimate story, and it's trying to, um, it's it's trying to let us be in the action, in that intimacy. It's uh, we're essentially in the dirt with him, um, you know, and because we're hopping around from him to uh, to uh, Edith to to uh, Peggy, it I don't feel this arc for Basil and his story and his work all the way through like it it i think it just threw me off um does that make sense i don't yeah it was certainly became an ensemble film mm-hmm. as opposed to a film about an individual yeah which means he gets lost a little bit in he, that he story, gets lost. right yeah and, he gets and lost. you know i would say each of those arcs is very interesting so either story the story of a woman who is essentially dying of sickness right she's sort of collapsing under the weight of this Mm -hmm. illness that that she has which is sort of bizarrely presented it just all of a sudden it's there yeah and i mean it's been they talk about it being there from her childhood and now it's going to take her Mm -hmm. and her dealing with her own mortality is a really interesting story especially in relationship to her son yeah we we did talk i mean my wife and i talked about the fact that um her age is all off and Mm -hmm. i i think she did a spectacular job portraying sickness and age but she's just very young i I can't tell how old she was supposed to so we did the math because they do the the problem of the story is at one point they do the math do they really so they say at 17 she was she met this guy and she sort of didn't get together with him for 10 years and then they got married like a year later and then they had a kid who's now what 12 and so if you do the math She's got to be somewhere like in her like 40, 40 almost 40, 40. and it just 42, doesn't. 43, and, and that there, plays right? with Basil. So then suddenly the Basil relationship that maybe is there with her makes a ton of sense. How old is how old is Basil supposed to be? So Basil's got to be 40 to 50 years old, uh-huh. right? Like yeah. that's where I mean 50 years old is probably where he needs to be. He's an older man, uh-huh. but the idea is that distinction of where she looks like she's 27. 
yeah. right? And he's 50 means that I don't understand what she's reaching for with him. Because mm-hmm. I right. looked it up because I wasn't sure how old Carrie Mulligan was. And she's 35. Right. I mean, she's she's relatively young. Yeah, so she certainly doesn't look like and, and yeah. I mean, maybe she's closer to the age. She doesn't look like the age. I of couldn't what get a good like they look like they aged her up for sure. Yeah, and they certainly signed her down, whatever mm-hmm. it may be. But, you know, I, I struggled with that a little bit. She felt yeah. like she was really young compared to Fines. And Fines is much older than that, right? So, right. like, there's this age difference that felt a little funny. Mm-hmm. But the idea of her needing... So, there's two things. Mm-hmm. Um, one thematically that's troubling is two of the women in the story define themselves by men. Yes. And then replace the loss of that man with another man. Yes as opposed to with their own strength. And that's maybe historically accurate. It's problematic. But problematic story It's problematic. And I, I wrote about that in my review because I felt like they were really pushing a feminist uh, perspective and they they did not succeed. No, the, I mean, the, Peggy's character, who I thought was charming and sweet and, and independent and wonderful, mm-hmm. ends up really defining herself in relationship to her choice to be with a man. Yeah. It, 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 yeah. It, and they play off the idea of like, it's a risk, like take the risk, go for it. Life's too short. Right. They, they play that out. And, and that's in, the theme given that, to her from Edith. E- right. Exactly. But in the end, the choice she makes ends up being very much about the guy uh, and not her mortality. Mm-hmm. She does make the noble choice to let her husband go be gay. And, and that's lovely. Like that's and there's something really, beautiful about that those sequences and the acting was all really good sure yeah but those arcs were strange and the same thing for um edith that i just felt like she was looking for some kind of male companionship in her life and she has a son who she loves and she has people who are her servants who are really really protective of her Mm -hmm. and yet oh yeah Mm -hmm. there's a missing thing and the place she's looking for it is it, it really in a man who's not available to her? See, so it's interesting because I actually never picked up on Edith's search for a man. I only only focused and saw her as somebody who is just completely struggling with death because death is, was just constantly around her. Right? Absolutely, it's the impending war. It's her brother who's who's joining the uh, uh, Royal Air Force. It's um, her dead husband. Her dead husband. Uh, it's her mortality of of her being sick, and she knows that she's. She's dying. There was this really lovely shot where she's being diagnosed in London, right in that in that upper room in the window. And then she actually the camera jibs down and she comes out the door below where she got her diagnosis. I was like, she's like walking into this grave, right? Like beneath Mm -hmm. beneath uh, this diagnosis here, like she's now in this sunken place. And uh, like I thought that was one of those really lovely shots in the film. but yeah, I never really saw her as somebody searching for a man, only that she has just seen things and 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 had these experiences where things are always cut short in her life and she's going to uh in a sense not she's not losing her son, but she's losing her son because she's losing her life and she's not going to be able to spend enough time with her son in the same way she didn't get to spend enough time with her husband and she's not going to be able to spend enough time um cherishing the uh the accomplishment of finding this uh archaeological dig like she's not gonna be able to enjoy the life that she wants to live um and so i actually didn't pick up i, I guess in a rewatch maybe i would pick up more on uh, i did notice a little bit of uh, they were teasing a romance between 
Uh, right, and she was Mrs. definitely Pretty the and... aggressor in that. Right? Yeah. When, when, I don't want to say aggressor, yes, there was a moment was... right where she was putting on, she was getting ready, and he had to cancel. And right, she had to cancel, and he was going to his wife, mm-hmm. right, who I thought was well played. Yeah, and she also was very aware that something was going on, mm-hmm. but she trusted her husband, and that was interesting. Yeah, but that was a different that relationship too was allowing the man freedom that might be on it was just very strange yeah yeah the 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 male female relationships were strange strange they were strange um the 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 peggy uh issue um for me was that that peggy doesn't pass the bechdel test um right because and and it's not that she ever speaks to edith about a man but it's that the motivation for that scene is based around a man it's based around edith's brother um, right with what, the photo with the photographs um it, it's it's every time she talks to him it's based around something that has to deal with a man even though they don't speak about a man mm-hmm. in particular in some of those scenes and i wanted it to i wanted the film to let the women mm-hmm. who appeared to be independent mm-hmm. and yes because because we because we meet her and she is immediately she immediately realizes that she's not there because her work is good she's there because she's a woman who's thin right and isn't going to fall through the the wood even though she does at some point fall through right. that and, wood and i mean she's the one that finds the first real piece of the dig mm-hmm. right she that and so she is triumphant in those ways but we just don't but but the story mm-hmm. her story arc pulls away from that and that's something i would i want to just say about the whole film is one of the things that that it doesn't do is celebrate the Sutton who find right at the at the level of what that really was right you know we hear how important it is but we but we don't really get a full sense of how how critical that is to the what we know of the history of England like it's transformative to what the English understand about themselves right um I used to teach Sutton who when I taught Brit okay. lit like it's a thing we would teach students because you wanted them to understand the sort of scale and scope mm-hmm. of this culture in the way that when I talk about Judas and the Black Messiah I want people to understand the scale and scope of the Black Panthers that people have have right. missed and forgotten so I, I care about that sort of grabbing in the history and bringing it bringing it up and I feel like we just it was set decoration and environment for the actors to portray. And yeah. although there are some beautiful moments, that moment in the end with her, she and her son in that boat where they're talking about the stars and the science fiction thing. Yeah. Oh, just lovely. Yeah. Beautifully shot, beautifully manifested. But again, it's, um, it's inconsistent with some of what the rest of the story was doing. Now, so are we to believe that she was buried on that boat? at the end no okay i I really don't think so okay because i they cut to to immediately from her being in that boat to them burying the boat back up and i was like did she wish to be buried thought that but that can't that i mean because it's a truly look if you and i if if lisa and i both had that thought then then there are dozens and maybe hundreds maybe thousands of other people thinking the same thing based on the editing internationally critical archaeological site i know i know i I know well i know the violation of the archaeological integrity of burying someone there i know but i that maybe she did maybe the universe (laughs) is going to surprise me i'll have to look that up but i know i but i don't i don't know but that's the way the editing made it appear to me right well and that may be what the director wanted you to feel because he's saying something about her being buried with that and that it but sure that's another reason where i saw the sutton who dig as in service of 
the character stories as mm-hmm. opposed to standing on its own. Right. Um, so yeah, they're, they're, yeah, that's yeah, interesting. Yeah, that 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 was one of the things that I thought about, and I just I just wasn't just wasn't sure if you read into it in the same way I did. Um, yeah, you know, some of my notes I'm I'm trying to uh, uh, to 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 think about here. You know, at, at one point I um, they hinted at Basil and his wife not having kids. Um, right. It was between his, his it was Basil and Edith in the like little carriage, right. um, waiting out the storm, and he looked disappointed about not having mm-hmm. kids. And you know, at, this was probably thirty percent of the way into the movie. And I, I was really thinking by the end of this movie, I was like, one, she's dying. Mm-hmm. 100% she's dying. But I really thought that he was going to adopt this kid in the end. Um, right. And I kind of wished that their relationship grew even more. Like I wanted to see more of a relationship between Basil and Robert. Um, and it just never, it never happened because of the uncle that kind of came into the picture. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he came in after that that moment after that scene with Edith. Yeah. And that, that the business about children is important, right? Because it is about what we give to the future, Mm -hmm. you know, and what, you know, our progeny is the, the, our presence in the future. And to some extent that gives Edith the ability to know that something's going to stay after her. And I think that's why Robert, you know, is played so much as the science fiction geek, as much as you could be a science fiction geek, right? you know, (laughs) with the, with the war coming, you know, um, the, he, I mean, his, he's entranced by the space patrol, you know? Yeah. And um, there is something about that sense of wonder and discovery that matches. And I, and, I, and I think this is something the film's speaking about it doesn't quite fully manifest, that matches digging up history. Right. Like both are explorations. Like Jacques Cousteau is as much an explorer as anyone who's gone in outer space. Right. It's, it's just a different le- place of exploring but the wonder process that discovery is the same and uh and and i sort of think that may be what they were playing at to some extent yeah but again the ensemble piece never felt like it got cohesive right yeah yeah even when lily james was well peggy and edith were together in that house which was a strange sequence of like the how that came to be was was weird Mm -hmm. even when that happen you're talking the uh, upstairs when she's when they're together after after the her husband has gone away and he doesn't want her to stay in the flop house alone uh-huh yeah so she's living yeah. in that place and they become like sisters very briefly mm-hmm. because it's just it doesn't fulfill its potential right yeah but still it's well acted and the story was fine and i liked it just fine yeah yeah um you know it, it did um it did something very interesting with the editing and i'm sure you picked up on it but if you didn't essentially what they did in the editing was it it was almost as if you know um they were in a conversation and then all of a sudden they switched to an over-the-shoulder shot where it looks like the characters should continue in that conversation but even uh and even the dialogue is continuing audibly but we don't see them speaking. We only see the reaction oh, yeah, right. shot mm-hmm. with their voice played over it. Um, what did you think of that? Did you think that worked for you? Did you did did it take you out of the movie? What did you think? That didn't take me out of the movie. I, I actually, I find reaction shots really interesting. So I like watching actors react and work. And it's a very stage thing, right? It's a very theater thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, film often removes 
removes the integrity of real reaction, right? Because right. reaction shot is a manufactured secondary shot mm -hmm. um, that we're taking to get the reaction. Right, unless you're shooting with, with two camera, unless, unless you're shooting, shooting like multi cameras, yeah. right? And, and often you'll sit on the actor doing the work, right? right. So, you know, we, you, we can talk about the other things we've talked about in the past couple of episodes, but like Malcolm and Marie or, or the Fred Hampton film, um, mm -hmm. we're watching actors... Um, like they're on screen doing their thing for us. Like they're right. looking at the looking at the other actor and they're like blasting it out. Yeah. Uh, and here we really are watching how people experience others. Yeah. And I thought that was pretty interesting. I can understand that it might take people out of it and it might be challenging. I'm one of those people that took me right out um, because it it to me it felt like there was a problem in the edit. Uh, okay. It was also, because I'm all for the reaction shot, I'd almost rather watch the person responding to what's being said rather than watch the person say it, yeah. unless I have to see them say it. And um, I mean, I think that's what I think that's what's so powerful about the opening scene to Social Network is that they shot at multicam and right. you're seeing them respond to each other in real time. Mm -hmm. um, but in this movie, it was less about like, it, it felt less of a reaction shot. It felt like it, it could have been a reaction shot. But as I see Edith reacting to Basil, I'm actually hearing her voice over top of that shot. And so that's what took me out. If I was hearing Basil's voice and I see a shot of Edith and she's not speaking, then it feels natural to me. Um, especially, I think it especially took me out because the whole film felt like it was this, uh, it should have been like this free-flowing, organic um, natural style film with the cinematography, even the piano music that's playing underneath felt just natural. And the editing felt so abruptly different than what you're used to that it just completely just was like, okay, they're doing this editing thing again. And I never understood why. I couldn't figure out why that was a thing. Um, it never felt motivated for me. Maybe if it felt motivated, then I would be on board with yeah, it. Yeah, and I think some of what we are watching feels like a memory play, right? Like mm -hmm. some of this is about the this experience in the past. Yeah, and they're in their minds. But I can I can see where your issue with that certainly is. Um, uh, I want to talk a little bit about class structure and academia just briefly. Sure, go for it. What, one of the things I think that the film did pretty well was talk about these distinctions between class and how individual humans can break past that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's betrayals of that, right? Certainly, uh, you know, Brown doesn't get his due for what umpteen years, right? right because right. a guy who makes a promise breaks it, right? So right, like, right. That, that's pretty significant. But well, I want to say sort of on the other end of that, that... Not even just a promise that he breaks. He breaks a dying woman's right, a dying wish, woman's right? Like, wish, right, yeah. Because um, she's gone and he doesn't have to deal with it, which shows right. how much he respects the people, you know? Yeah. As opposed to the... As opposed to his career. Like, it isn't like he was doing it to salvage the Diggs uh, treasure. It was, it was all about him, right? Yeah. And all about the yeah. museum. And she made the choice to go with the big museum and for all the right reasons, right? Mm -hmm. But I, I feel like, you know, we did see a sense of how class can be bridged. That their servants, those servants love her. Um, they don't love her because they're being paid. They're protecting her because she's a human who's hurt. They watch right. over the kid. Brown is certainly not in her class, and yet she shows him a tremendous amount of respect. Yeah. 
um, there, there's, there is a game played around class in this. And, uh, and, and I think that that was fairly well manifested. Yeah. That theme was, was present, but again, it's very different than the Sutton who theme, which is definitely about rich people. Like, right. Right. What they found in that dig is about Kings, not about Kings making friends with yeah regular folk right right yeah i think that's i think that's a good point um and i didn't actually even think about the class system while i was watching so i'm glad you brought that up Uh, yeah i mean like the guy who's in charge of the dig when finally from the uh what the the uh, museum is -hmm. such a buffoon like and yeah yeah and he you know he actually though is an expert and so what i do like about his portrayal is Mm -hmm. they don't portray him as an incompetent Mm -hmm. they portray him as um an elitist yeah and that to me plays whereas if they'd let him be it they let him be the museum guy who's an ass and incompetent right then we're like oh god it was great to see regular folks right mm-hmm. the middle class and the lower class people being so i, I love the folks who were digging with um brown in the beginning like basil i think those, yes those, yeah. those scenes where yeah. those three guys are working together and i would have well and they're getting credit even later on right right they're right continuing right, exactly. to, to work with them and get credit for it which is great um and even it's i mean it says something about um this whole class thing about uh basil because we learn that he's highly educated right and he's in this lower class system right but but he's educated on his own not from the system uh-huh, right like right. he doesn't have the credentials right he has the education right and he, he's just read and studied right and done his thing because it mattered yeah to, to learn that and mm-hmm. and if there's a lesson that people should take away from it it's that we need to be embracing like that's a thing anyone can do you don't yeah. have to you don't have to pass the state tests right to be well educated you need to read books and dig stuff up and find things out and explore yeah it's just being curious to your education is just is finding things that you're interested in, just doing it and just reading it and and learning about it. So, uh, yeah, that those those were really all the notes that I had taken um, that are worth honestly that are worth talking about. Uh, the editing thing was the biggest risk that I saw them doing because um, I thought it was just the strangest thing that this movie was doing that. Um, but yeah, I mean overall, I think it was it's definitely worth a watch on. On Netflix, um, do you have anything else to add? I want. I, I want to say. I mean, it's a yeah. good story. Yeah. Um, and it's interestingly told. It has some issues, and mm-hmm. it is a, it is a very ensemble-like cast of individual stories, mm-hmm. and you know, we, when we have an ensemble, sometimes that ensemble needs to find its way to gel into some unit. Yeah. And in some ways, this remained a series of separate stories. Yeah. That interweaved but never quite became the ensemble that it was capable of being. Um, There's some really good acting, and we should acknowledge that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Cool. Well, uh, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Racking Focus podcast. Uh, If you guys have anything else to add about this conversation, please head on over to rackingfocuspodcast.com, and you can find all of our social channels listed there. Send us a DM on Instagram if you'd like at rackingfocus.com podcast and uh, you can even send us a voice message through anchor uh, just head to anchor.fm slash racking focus podcast slash slash message uh, and if you don't remember everything i just said it's all in the description of this episode yeah and it's in our links on instagram it's everywhere yeah. um, and uh, check us out on letterboxd and read our reviews we are watching more movies than we review so go check out those reviews and uh, feel free to comment 
to us there. You know, message us and let us know what you think of those reviews. You can do that, and we'll talk about it on the show itself. If we can we feel comfortable doing that, and absolutely, if you uh, find us on a podcasting platform somewhere, uh, leave us a review. But we would love you to focus on a review on Apple Podcasts. Maybe give us a five star review out of grace, and then be as mean and cruel as you want to be <laughs> in the comments and help people see us and help enlarge the conversation about film because we want to keep people going to the theaters or at least engaging in really good film instead of what the algorithm tells them to watch yeah. on any one of these streaming services. Yeah, and we will be focusing on, on a lot of these streaming services moving forward right now as as uh, there's not a whole lot coming to theaters. So very excited for what's hitting you know Netflix and HBO Max and all that stuff uh, this year. So... Look for more of that. And uh, John, anything else to add? Nope, nothing else. It's been great to talk to you tonight. Great. Well, uh, last but not least, please share this uh, podcast with a friend who loves film and loves talking about movies. We'd love to have them join in our conversation. But other than that, thanks for listening to this episode of the Racking Focus podcast. You always told me you're working about the past or even the present. as for the future. So that the next generations can know where they came from. The line that joins them to their forebears. Isn't that what you always say? Yeah, something like that. Why else would the lot of you be playing around in the dirt while the rest of the country prepares for war? Because that means something, doesn't it? Something that'll last longer than whatever damn war we're heading into. Thanks for listening to the Racking Focus Podcast.